I'm Chad Rutherford. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And welcome to No Clip Pocket. It's a clip in a glass. Today, we're going to be talking about Year Walk, which was a game uh, that was released on iOS devices in 2013 and was later ported to Windows, OS X, and uh, the Wii U. Year Walk, oh, it was developed by Simogo. I hope I'm pronouncing that even a little bit correctly, <laughs> uh, as it is a Swedish developer. Um, and so, Your Walk is uh, an adventure game, but it's it takes some liberties, I guess, with the genre to make it sort of a, a more interesting, more clean. I don't know how you want to like describe it. It's kind of experimental, I guess, the, and which is sort of a. I guess kind of a, th- a through line with this particular developer. I I've played Device Six, but I haven't played anything else that they've done. Uh, but it is always sort of they like taking advantage of the phone, the simplicity of like phone controls to try and do something kind of out of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. But you played it on Wii U, right? Yes, I only played the Wii U version, and from what I can tell, there are a couple of differences, but nothing major. Mm-hmm. It, uh, they changed the interface a bit, and they gave you like a map and a note take jotting ability because you have the stylus and the gamepad. But all this audio is going to be really good on air, so I'm just going to leave it in. But I'm going to lean over here real quick. <laughs> <laughs> I also took notes, but I didn't have a page for it, so I have this like what looks like <laughs> nice, <laughs> yeah, like a serial killer's coded message written on this page yeah uh <laughs> yeah no but i love that i like actually taking notes on a real sheet of paper but i, I think i mentioned it maybe we both mentioned it on the uh uh what's that was the double fine adventure game broken age yes broken age on the on the broken age episode we talked a bit about how that game actually sort of makes you have to take real notes and the novelty of that has not really worn off. I still like doing it. Yeah. Well, I can't deny the uh, the appeal of the the convenience of the gamepad, though. Oh, that's true. Because uh, I just played through this when I got home from work today. Yeah. And I was like, oh, man, I have to, like, remember all this stuff. And I was like, oh, wait. <laughs> cool game I have a notepad no, right here. <laughs> it is. Does it have, like, multiple pages or does it just, like, scroll forever? It's just the one uh, okay. little gamepad screen, so you have to manage your space. Because <laughs> I did manage to fit my notes on one page. Well, I mean, unless I'm stupid and it is more than I thought. But it does seem like, but I just started at one point after like the first puzzle where you had, or the first puzzle that I did, I don't know if it's purely linear in that, but, uh, where you have to like spin the doll head and then mm. it like points in directions, uh, which is this top note here. Yeah. I just started writing everything down just in case, uh, cause I didn't want to like walk all around again. Yeah. Like as soon as I started seeing the tombstones, I was just like, Oh, we'll write that down, mm-hmm. draw that picture, all that good stuff. Yeah. But, uh, the fact that I had to take notes in addition to this being just an adventure game and this is kind of a trait of adventure games generally, this game's actually way harder than I remembered it being, or at least I didn't walk away from it initially with that being like, one of the traits of the game. Uh, I had the opposite experience. I remembered this game being really challenging, and I just breezed through it. Uh, and I mean, I'm sure the game is challenging, but a lot of it 
felt really familiar to me and was able to intuit things easier because I had done them before, you know? Yeah, yeah I guess that makes sense. Uh, the the trick with the eye... So, I played it on, on a phone uh, this time for the first time, and uh, I, I gotta say, the controls are not what you would call, like, intuitive. They're things that I think they did a cool job with. Uh, like, there's one of the, the, like, ghost babies that you have to find uh, in order to, like, it has its blood dripping up and so you have to turn your phone. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, to face the other direction for it to get him to show up. Uh, I think that is all like well implemented. But then after you grab a ghost, you have to remain holding the screen with one hand and then scroll with the other hand to walk. Yeah, and that gets a little bit tedious. Yeah, that was a lot better <laughs> on the on, on the console version because you just hold it down with the right trigger. And then are just able to walk with the analog stick. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot more. That's a lot smoother. Yeah, but uh, you bring up that specific phone feature, uh, Ghost Baby. Uh, they actually don't have that one in the Wii U version. They do something unique with the Wii U version where they hide one of them on the gamepad in the manual. Just pull some straight up Hideo Kojima bullshit. Because <laughs> uh, you have a little like encyclopedia. Mm-hmm. tab uh that just gives you like information on the f- different folklore uh which is cool but once the ghost baby challenge starts and you're looking for them if you look down at it you can see that the tab for the encyclopedia is like bloody so uh. then you click on it and then you see the page for the mylings yeah. Uh, and then you scroll down to the bottom of it, and it's hiding on the page. Okay, yeah. Which is pretty cool. But... Honestly, it's even clearer that I think a lot of Kojima's shit has tended to be. Yeah, but <laughs> I, I know we had to look it up. Mm-hmm. We were just running around the map. Like, I didn't uh, realize that Tab wasn't always bloody. Right. That's, uh, well, now I kind of want to go into two things. Uh, the, the first thing, the Encyclopedia Tab, the version of that that's on the phone is the a companion app which if you played this game and didn't get the companion app uh do it it's like actually super interesting like i, I and i love the way that they sort of interpreted the different uh pieces of folklore i'm making the assumption that the things that are said in the encyclopedia or in the companion app are 100% like true things like they're things that are actual folklore i would imagine yeah i because I, there's no like disclaimer that's like but this isn't really what mm-hmm. yeah because like the the concept of year walk ing as like a as a thing that people did is sort of has been like expanded to include a lot of other pieces of folklore for the purposes of the game but the way that they've incorporated the other like characters into the game was very interesting and i I did it genuinely good and good and spooky yeah yeah i definitely like the brook horse yes the brook horse (laughs) we've talked so many times and i hate horses in video games i like this horse yeah this is a good horse an anthropomorphic suit-wearing horse man <laughs> that that lives underwater. Yes, fish horse in a brook. Uh, I don't remember what that second thing I was going to talk about was, yeah. so we can just move to something else. But yeah, no, I just wanted uh, just while we're on that subject, I like how it took me just long enough to realize that the different symbols were all the different characters that show up, like the girl, 
the horse, the baby, and mm-hmm. the goat are all the folklore characters you meet right through the game. Yeah, in in the it's probably like this in the encyclopedia as well. They have like an illustration that matches the symbol uh, that like denotes each page, mm-hmm. uh, which is cool. Oh, I do remember because I had to look something up in my playthrough today as well. And it was the thing that games do that I don't begrudge them for doing, but hate it when I ha- when I encounter it, which is I had to match notes oh. to things that I was hearing, and I can't do it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> even as somebody who plays multiple instruments, or Is at least used to, um, that was hard. I, I couldn't understand exactly what I was supposed to be doing, but was able to solve it anyway. But um, I don't know if you're supposed to be, like, doing a scale uh or if you're looking for which note is in tune that is my assumption because yeah because a lot of them i noticed were out of tune but like sometimes i was like these sound like the same note but like one slightly flat or sharp and the other one's in tune right and like i so i couldn't tell exactly but the notes did seem to be getting progressively higher so i think it's like a combination of the two right i was trying to match it to the background yeah, well, that's you. That's how you tell. Um, that's like I think the the hint, mm-hmm. uh, as they'll say, because when you go over the different notes, you know that you hear that like dissonant vibrating when the note's out of tune. I'm sure some people do. Yeah, well, maybe you don't, but <laughs> I mean, I could tell when it was pretty drastically yeah. out of tune. But uh, the third one it gave me so like i i hit the wrong thing yeah and i was hitting the same wrong things so i wasn't over and over track. again yeah i think yeah. it was the fourth one that gave me trouble because there were two notes that sounded really similar by the time i was on the fourth one i was i had a guide up that just mm. told me to go to the seventh one I yeah was like, okay got it um but yeah no, that one's just yeah it's hard to understand like into what you're supposed to be doing mm-hmm yeah, and if you have no musical experience, then you're kind of up shit creek. Yeah. There should really be, like, like games have, like, colorblind modes to, to help with people who have colorblindness. There should be a tone-deaf <laughs> mode. Where they just, it, like, plays a rhythm, and you have to figure out the one that's not offbeat or something. <laughs> I can do that. That's, that's what I'm capable of doing. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, let's see. Brook Horse... Uh, this game genuinely is, like, creepy as hell. Yeah, it's got a real... I think it comes from, like, the isolation atmosphere of it. Because I love the sound design a lot. The Mm -hmm. crunching snow footsteps. And, that yeah, it hits that tone really well. And it makes it, when you do run across something, feel really, like, actually startling, kind of. Mm -hmm. Like, you just walk over to the corner of part of the map and then there's like the the woman is just there and you're like oh <laughs> you actually like kind of jump a little yeah and, and that happens repeatedly throughout it and I, I i do agree in praising the sound design uh for making that sort of work there is there are like two instances where they've inserted like a jump scare which seemed like somewhat out of place i think the one in the uh, windmill was actually really well done. It, it oh yeah, 
It it startled me for sure, but the other one that's like in the wheelbarrow was a little bit. Oh yeah, it seemed a little strange that yep. it was there. Well, the one in the windmill it actually makes sense because mm-hmm. it's where you met with uh, whatever your girlfriend's name is. Some or, with an S. Yeah, yeah, like Stina or something. That sounds pretty correct. Um, but yeah, so that one at least has some context. Yeah. The rest of the the scares, as they were, mostly came from this game's, like, really, like, storybook art style mm-hmm. clashing with the the thing. It's got, like, a like a Babadook feel, if that yeah. resonates with you at all. Yeah. Like, that kind of a horrible subject matter and, like, a kid's illustration style. Yeah. It's, I don't know, I just enjoyed... I enjoyed the atmosphere of this game pretty much thoroughly from start to finish. Mm-hmm. And that included the, like, bizarre tangent of, like, reading the journal of some crazy guy <laughs> uh, in the companion app to get the symbols to unlock the box at the end. Yeah. Uh, like, that just sort of added to it for me in, in a way that I kind of wasn't expecting, given that it was, like, a post-game thing. Yeah. Now, I just think the, um, the concepts... Of, like, doing a year walk lends itself really well to this kind of a game, mm-hmm. surprisingly well. And in, and it works as a good uh, base to insert other folklore into. Like, it's a really, like, well-considered idea, I think. Yeah. The folklore thing, this is a bit of a, a sidestep, but, uh, like, we've seen this now a couple of times uh recently like this seems to be like a new trend because i can't really think of any games in the past few generations that have have used folklore as their base Mm -hmm. whereas this game as well as like uh was it never alone uh which is the the, oh yeah girl with the fox Mm -hmm. and then you played a switch game that had some sort of folklore as its uh Basis. Did, did I? It was real recent. It was like a weird 3D platformer game. A weird 3D platformer game. So I remember, uh, what like get, waking up and coming out into the living room and you were playing this game, and now I've never seen you play it again. So you're oh, confusion right now. Oh, okay, Mulaka. Uh, I'm okay. I'm glad that I didn't dream that. Okay, no, I just uh. <laughs> I don't know why, for some reason, the way you were describing it was not ringing any bells. I mean, that's fair. Even though you were describing it fine. <laughs> yeah. I hope that this this folklore thing continues as a trend, because the games that it produces are super imaginative. Yeah, or even Severed is a good example. Yeah, Severed is another one. Um, oh, I think it's always, like folklore has always influenced popular fiction, but... It does seem like it's kind of a recent trend, at least in video games, to put it at the forefront. Yeah. Like, you could make the argument that, like, Pokemon is really heavily influenced yeah, by folklore. Yeah. Like, fantasy in general, but, like... But they're not based on it. They're, right. Or, rather, they're not focused on it. Right. So that was cool. Yeah. No, no, I'm definitely into <laughs> it as well. Uh, on the topic of the sound design, <laughs> there's one thing uh, which the, like, crunching snow footsteps... Uh, I felt a broke immersion one time ever for me, which is during the puzzle where you have to, like, go around the church uh, a bunch of times, which, 
because it was so repetitive and like the actions take that's like the worst part of the game which is like mm-hmm. high praise because it was one moment <laughs> of the game that I was like a little bit bored I don't like that puzzle either yeah uh, which I'll have to ask in a second how you actually got the solution for that one but um, <laughs> the uh, like walking around made me realize that, like, the first-person perspective and the fact that you're going around the church means that your character is either walking with his head at a complete 90-degree angle mm-hmm. or he's, like, doing a weird sidestep crab walk thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, both explanations I love. <laughs> <laughs> well, walking around it with your head turned really isn't that weird. Is that? But, like, it would... Mm, it's a little weird. I guess. <laughs> Give me that. <laughs> uh, no, how do you find the solution in the Wii U version? I don't remember. Okay. Actually, like, I know we solved it legitimately the first time we played it, and I keep saying we because I played this with a group of people the first time. Right. Um, but this time I got to it and was like, oh, I remember this being really difficult. I don't want to bother. <laughs> and just looked it up. Oh, like what? Like the directions yeah. you were supposed to go. Because I know in the in the Wii U version, because I just looked at it, there's like a there's a tombstone that shows up, but it's just blank, uh, and it has like some runes, and then the 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 eyeballs, the grim at the top. Oh yeah. And in the iOS version, there are two fingerprints on it, sending a pretty clear message that you're supposed to just press it with two fingers. Mm. And when you do that, it gives you the information you need to... Okay. It, like, gives arrows. Oh, uh, um, you know what? here. Okay. Well, then, the way you solve it is you probably have... There's one that has... It's got six dots on it, and you're probably just supposed to tap them. Oh, like, in order? Yeah. And... Yeah, but I didn't think to do that. Because there's a bunch of other ones uh, that have, like, shapes on them. Mm-hmm. And I I thought they were part of a set that would be the answer to a different puzzle. Right. The, the shapes thing, uh, from what I recall... Like, so, this is very cool, and if this game was a little bit longer, which I don't begrudge it being a short game, it's for phones. Right. Uh, but the the you cuz you can create like what is basically a codex of like symbols to numbers by comparing the symbol and dot count on the in the walls of that cave plus I guess it's like a bunker or whatever uh and then the symbols and the animal or like whatever other symbol counterpart on the trees mm-hmm. and if this game had like more to it there was like they basically have, like, a short, like, code system or, like, an alphabet even yeah. that exists within the game. And, like, some of the symbols don't even get used. Uh, I don't know. It was just very neat. And, like, a lot of things, like, could have bled into other puzzles if they had come right. into a longer game. Yeah, but I think as it is, they do, like, just enough that you're able to, like, keep everything in mind. Like, the map is just big enough I think there's just enough little details and it never gets overwhelming. Right. Yeah, and I, because the iOS version doesn't have a map, I was pretty frequently just, like, running around, like, completely lost. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, it was just kind of like, uh, I see the wheelbarrow, I know I've been here before, let's mm-hmm. go backward a little bit. 
Yeah, I was thinking as I was playing, I feel like everything's like distinct enough that I wouldn't need the map, but it, I did keep using it because it was there. Right. I don't. I can't say that I blame you. I probably would have used a map if I had yeah. access to one. Uh, okay, I had something to say. Oh, the game's length. I I just kind of wanted to touch on a little bit because um, here at the No Clip Podcast, <laughs> we are like notedly uh, fans of short games, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like I, I've, this one really left me wanting more, more so than a lot of other games. Like, I, I really wish this game was a little bit longer. Yeah, and not only that, but because of the 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 lockbox and the companion app and that shit, they could have pro- like put in like what is effectively like a new game plus, like mm-hmm. just another thing to do. Yeah, like a, some kind of a second second walk yeah <laughs> year two year two walk again year zero with <laughs> jack black and michael Sarah walk <laughs> all right fine uh, <laughs> let's not bring michael Sarah into this uh don't drag his good name through the mud um and there are even there are two areas like uh the part where you have a crow explode out of a bird. Oh, yeah. Uh, is just, like, a one-screen area. And then there's the, like, dream world where it's, I guess, fall instead of winter. Mm-hmm. Um, both of those are, like, geographically... Posi- like, areas that have a position that you wouldn't have to, like, explain. You wouldn't have to have Manus's hand to pull you into right. the past. Uh, to get it to work out. Um, yeah, it just seems like they could have expanded on it without, like, too much, like, hassle. Yeah, you don't want to be, like... You wouldn't have to, like, majorly redesign anything. Exactly. <laughs> you don't want to be, like, lazy devs. Yeah. Greedy devs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh but I mean, I, I guess I mean it in kind of a good way. Like it me, makes me want to see another game, like uh, to check out this developer's other games. So yeah, from my experience, and I, I haven't checked up on them since this game came out in 2013. But uh, and I think I played it in like 2015, but I'm not positive. Anyway, uh, they their tone is all over the place. Like they don't always do games like this, and this game was actually adapted from a screenplay, which is insanity. Yeah, yeah, I, I read that as they, well. Because I would love to watch this movie as much <laughs> as I liked to play the game. Yeah. Uh, but all that said, like uh, they the, the, even playing some of their other games, nothing quite scratches the itch that Year Watt creates. Uh, uh, we I, we desperately need an expansion. Is yeah, what I'm year walk to electric boogaloo. Yeah, year walk the old hunters. Year walk with me. The, <laughs> yes, year walk with the me. Twin Peaks crossover. Year walk crossover. <laughs> Who killed th- that Swedish name? That was a <laughs> that would have worked better if I'd remembered the character's name. <laughs> Who killed Daniel Sturgenstrom? Any Swedish people listening to this podcast, I apologize. (laughs) Profusely. How do you feel about this? uh, Albeit, you played it on Wii U. Mm -hmm. But how do you feel about this type of game being made, like, 
specifically for phones. Because this has been like, the past two episodes that we've done have been phone games, and I'm sure that it will be a recurring theme in the future that we'll probably talk about other phone games. Right. And it's such like a often maligned like platform for video games right. that this developer that essentially develops exclusively for phones uh, and is still sort of like an art house game design mm-hmm. studio. Uh, I don't know, like, do, do you think they sh- that they've pulled it off in a way that is unique to phones in some way? Um, yes and no. Uh, I think... It seems kind of almost impossible to develop a game that would only work on an iPhone since there's so many other touchscreen devices now that you could put it on. True. But I I think that this developer and whoever developed Monument Valley and even um, Drinkbox with Severed, like, those are all three, like, actually good games and aren't just, like, temple run right or like you know uh not to specifically shit on temple run or anything but Next you know just like <laughs> talking about temple run no. or like just some kind of like a time sync phone game uh like they're actually fun and engaging but that being said i think i would probably have enjoyed this less if i played it on a phone rather than a console yeah that's kind of that's the catch-22 when you're developing a phone game is that you essentially have to utilize the the mechanics of a phone meaning like the the actual mechanical build of the phone uh in order to make it unique uh, and to justify it being something on a phone as opposed to on another console, because developing for PC is just as easy, if not easier, depending on what operating system you're working with. Mm-hmm. And if you're trying to develop something that's not a time waster, something that's a like so, that's narrative and has uh, like a purpose or some like a story to tell or wants to be immersive in any way, you have to you have to really fight to be like. No, phone is the place for this. Mm-hmm. You have to do this on a phone. Yeah, I would say Monument Valley does a better job of being specifically a phone game. Yeah, having played both the iOS and Wii U versions of this game, it you would just, given the opportunity, you'd probably pick the Wii U version. Mm-hmm. It may, I think it make, lets the art shine a bit nicer as well, the bigger screen. That's true. However, the retina display is real nice. I'm not trying to be like a shill for <laughs> Apple. I genuinely really like the Retina display. Uh, <laughs> so on that note, on that corporate shilling, uh, <laughs> do we have final thoughts? Uh, I like this game a whole lot. Uh, cool, thanks. Uh, on my final thought <laughs> now. <laughs> um, if for some reason you haven't played the game and have listened to this whole thing, uh, definitely pick it up. The game is cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, I would recommend you yeah, playing it on the Wii U if you have one, but you almost certainly don't. Right. So <laughs> pick it up on your phone or like an iPad or whatever. Um, yeah, it's it's got all the no clip buzzwords in there. It's atmospheric. It's like a tone piece. It's got cool folklore, uh, unique art style. Uh, and it's just, yeah, it's it's a really polished game. It's really short so the whole thing is high quality all the way through uh it's 
you won't regret spending your time on it. True. And you also probably won't regret spending your money on it. Well, yeah, that it's either. It's like a $4 game. Yeah. Uh, having played it on the phone, I will say, in addition to that, that getting the phone version of this game is not severely detrimental, but like probably being nearby an outlet because it ate through my phone battery like it was a sub sandwich uh (laughs) uh but no my my final thoughts overall on this game are that i'm really happy that we chose this to kick off the october episodes of no clip pocket with uh because of the games that we have picked out i suspect that this one's going to be the most legitimately frightening yeah Uh, and the others are just sort of more in in uh, theme right. of, of scary and horror. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I like this game. I'm not even, I'm not like huge on, on puzzles generally uh, because I'm stupid. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I do like adventure games and I it just like the pre- everything about the presentation of this game made it so effective uh, all the way through. So... Thank y'all for listening to No Clip Pocket this week. What are we talking about next time? Uh, next time, uh, we're going to be talking about a, a Nintendo Switch game uh, to skew it <laughs> in the direction of portability. We're talking about Night Trap and specifically the 25th anniversary edition of it uh, that was re-released uh, last year on consoles. So, uh, I, yeah, hopefully that'll be an enjoyable <laughs> yeah. time. And to defend our choice, uh, Night Trap fits into the, it's pocket-sized. It is a very short game. That is true. And the Switch is... It is, is portable. Fits in pockets. We're our main demographic. The, owns yeah, Genko jeans. Yes. You're gonna have to, once again, whip out those Genko jeans for this episode. No lie, I actually fit my Switch in my back pocket sometimes. Yeah, I I don't think I could do that. Or at least if I could, I'd be way too paranoid about accidentally sitting Sitting on on it it. or having it fall out. Fair. I did the, the, like, anxiety I feel going from here to the car Mm. and then from the car to another location is usually not as much that I I won't do it. Right. Yeah. Anyway, until that time, uh, you can get a hold of us. All of our contact information is on NoClipPodcast.com, where you can find our email address, our Twitter, at NoClipPodcast, YouTube, all that good shit. See our previous episodes uh, and our previous episodes of the main show, which are a lot longer. Uh, And I guess today... Happy anniversary, us, and listen to our dumb goofs episode that also went up. Uh, thank, thanks for listening, and don't kill a girl with a knife. <laughs> Make sure to turn the video upside down to find the ghost baby to get the key to the subscribe button. <laughs> From the Brook Horse. This was a severe <laughs> oversight on our part where we we locked the subscribe button to make it impossible to subscribe unless we you had to be the on puzzle. theme. We had to put a put a puzzle in the way. Exactly. People are gonna be like, I don't think there's anything going on with that subscribe. <laughs>
uh, today we're going to be talking about, you, you can laugh at those jokes, it makes them sound real sad when it's, when there's not, <laughs> the, the audience is supposed to laugh at the joke, not, not me. 